0: We've been in the last three. This is our fourth Sunday that we've been asking the question and answering it. If God, then why? And we started, and you fleshed those questions. Uh, you fleshed that question out by filling in words like the first Sunday. We said, if God is all powerful and uh, if God is all powerful and in control, why does it seem like that He's weak and out of control? Well, we we answer that question. We dispel that myth. And then a couple of Sundays ago, we asked another question. Last Sunday, we asked another question and fleshed this thing out. And that's what we're trying to do is to to bring us to an understanding of who God is and His interaction with us and with creation and His plan for the world. He's got a plan. So let me ask you a question by starting off this morning by asking you this. What if I were to tell you that the house that you live in has been built with subpar materials? Yeah. And upon further inspection, we see that there's an unstable foundation that it was built upon and that the place could topple at any moment. How would you like to know that every time you walk into that house, you're taking your life into your own hands? You know, Kelly and I have built a couple of houses in our lifetime. And so we understand the process pretty, pretty intimately. It's, it's tedious and it comes with an awful lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, how many ever built a house before? You know what I'm talking about. A couple of, two, two three of you. So in, in building a home, you have to do things. So You've got to work closely with subcontractors. If you're the contractor, you have to work with the subcontractors. You're kind of, you daily, hands-on taking care of things. You, you take care of these subcontractors who are taking care of the different phases of the home. You got the grading, you got to prepare the land, you got the foundation going in, that's so important. Then the framing of the house, you got to put the electrical, the plumbing, the insulation, the drywall, and all these exterior, interior works and finishes that are painstakingly gone over to make sure that what, uh, that what you need and expect is being done. And oftentimes, too, in this process, you you have this plan in in mind, but there's some readjustments that need to take place midstream as you're walking through the process of building. An issue may invariably arise in the process that makes us have to pivot to another sort of uh, option, plan B, or sometimes even plan C. But if you have quality, skilled workers, those adjustments can be made and the project continues. But the overarching aspect, the one constant in this building process is what You've probably heard this phrase. It's a particular person. He's the building inspector. The building inspector. Now, what he does is he makes sure that all the necessary phases of construction are done to what they call to code. To code, and so you know, some of you would recognize this if you're a plumber an electrician. Different places, different people in their occupations, where you know you have to have a, a license for the particular state that you're working in, and you can't do the electrical, the plumbing, or anything like that if you don't have a license to do it, because the you you, you got to understand the codes of that particular uh, of that particular m- municipality, and what what they're expecting you to do. So if the foundation isn't correct, it's got to, rem- it's got to be remedied. If the subfloor isn't correct, it also must be re- re- remedied. And, and he's going to check the electrical work. He's going to check the plumbing before the insulation of the drywall could, to, to go in there. Aren't you thankful that you have a building inspector? That behind, behind your walls are some plumbing and electrical work. And aren't you glad that those electrical wires are not going to go... Pssst? Or the plumbing's not going to spring a leak and you got stuff all over your floor, right? The building inspector makes sure that it's done well so that once that pretty drywall's put up, you can't see what's behind those walls, but there's a lot of time and talent and tedious attention to detail to make sure that those things are done and done correctly. I'm thankful for the building inspectors that help us to have safe homes. So that when you are going home, I can assure you that your roof is not going to collapse on you and, and that the foundation is good and that the the walls are well and electrical and all the plumbing is well because the building inspector is taking care of it to make sure that you live in a safe home that's going to keep you warm and and cold depending on the on the on the season and, and protect you through the storms of life. So What's the beautiful thing about it is at the end of this process when you build a home is you get this much anticipated document called the CO. It's the Certificate of Occupancy. That's what you work towards, that Certificate of Occupancy. So that it means that you can now occupy your dwelling with confidence that the materials and workmanship meet the code and the foundation meets the code and you can be assured that the place won't collapse around you. It's solid, it's sure, and it's all good. So over the last several weeks, we've been asking this question, if God, then why? And these questions that we really, what we've really been doing is we, we're, we're checking the spirit, our spiritual home. We're checking our foundation. We're, we're, we're checking the cons- what we've constructed for ourselves, what we know as the theology or our belief in God. And we all have come from different vantage points and different upbringings. There's some Pentecostals in here. There's some Catholics in here. There's some Baptists in here. There's some uh, people that were not even raised in church. And you're just kind of working your way through this process of understanding who is God. And and many of us have put together this understanding of who this God is. So I want to ask you these questions this morning. And really these questions through these last few weeks are, Is the foundation and the structure that is God in your life, is it solid? Is it is it sure? Is it all good? You know, we've gotten our materials from here and from there in our understanding of who God is, whether it be a Christian book that we would have read or a sermon at church or a Christian... television program, or maybe from some Bible studies and personal devotions, Sunday school classes, conversations, denominations, the way that we've been brought up, we've cobbled it all together into the spiritual doctrine, a theology of our understanding of who God is and how He interacts with His creation. Some think that God is aloof and distant, that He just dropped us all off on earth and expects us to work things out the best way that we can. Some people believe that. And we may think that that's kind of silly. And some of you may think, well, that's kind of how I think God is. So that's not so silly. Others think that maybe God is some angry cosmic killjoy ready to zap us with His wrath. With His wrath, if we step even an inch over any line that we think He's drawn. He's just some mad dude up there getting ready to just... Zzz. And in between those two extremes of aloof and unconcerned and zapping us at any moment just on a whim... Or there's this variety of other, 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 others that range from God truly cares to is God even really there? And my hope in this series is that we can get our hearts realigned to who God more truly is. And I, I can't say that this series is going to maybe bring complete 100% 2020 clarity to our hearts, but I hope that it'll point us more towards who he is, more of a 2020 understanding in our hearts of who he is. Because I think we're always, the truth of who God is always unfolding in our hearts, you know, the Holy Spirit brings revelation as we mature and grow in him. But I hope that this helps us to, to get a more balanced study of his word and understanding of what his word reveals to us about his character, about his abilities, about his plans, and about his thoughts about you and me. I feel like so many Christians have built their theology, I've said this the last couple of weeks, where we built our theology on slivers of truth, that we don't really take the full counsel of God's Word. And when things don't turn out the way that we think that they ought to, based on our belief in God, our theology, then we have what I've called a, and what you've heard before, is a crisis of faith. What I'm trying to do is to point us back to the Word of God so that we can flesh out more fully our theology, so that when those troubles come, not if they come, but when those troubles come, when those challenges arise, and when things don't turn out like we want, we can avoid having a crisis of faith, and instead stand firm on a solid foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ. This scripture in Matthew chapter 7 Verses 24 through 27 is a scripture that we learned, at least I did, when I was in Sunday school in children's church. In fact, there's a song that talks about it. The wise man built his house upon the rock. How many knows that song? Yeah, there's a few of us in here. The rest is like, what? Children's church. We did this. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Then you do it again. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. Feel free to join me. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Now some of you are doing the hand motions and some of you aren't. So this next one, we're going to do hand motions if you want to. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. Watch this now. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods. This is always my favorite part in this song at Children's Church. And the house on the sand went pow! Man, we all screamed that out in children's church when we sang that song. That was so much fun. And then the last part, here's the theme of it. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the house will stand forever. There's different versions of it, so I didn't want to <laughs> say what, Yeah. So that's the idea. And here's the verse that this, that sweet song came from. And it's funny how you remember that as a little child. It's like, oh, that makes sense, you know? So here it is, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And boy, for those of you who didn't sing that song just now or didn't sing it in children's church, you really missed out, didn't you, huh? All right. Everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Now, keep that in mind. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. In fact, do you have a journal? If you don't have a journal, raise your hand. We're going to give you a journal so you can take some notes right now. I should have done this at the beginning. But if you need a journal, if you need something to take notes in, there's some people that are going to give you a journal if you'll just raise your hand and keep it raised. Just keep it up. There's two back here. Good. If you need a journal, just keep it raised and they'll get it to you. I want you to write these two phrases down, though. Everyone who hears those wo- hears the- hears these words of mine, that's the first thing. You can be a hearer but also puts them into practice. So it's being a hearer and a doer, all right? That's so important, okay? We can know God's word, but if we don't walk it out, then it's, just, it's, it's, it's foolish. It's just fruitless. Uh, it's fruitless for us to memorize God's word and not walk it out. Not, to, not just to be a hearer, but to be a doer. So this is Jesus saying this. If you hear my words and then put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains came down, the floods came up, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet the house stood firm. It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine but doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the winds blew and beat that house uh, against that house, and it fell with a mighty crash. So how can we be careful to build our lives upon a solid foundation? How can we transfer this house, this theological house that we have at our understanding of God and bring in those ramjack people, right? And and make sure that we restructure this home so that when the storms come, that the house will stand firm. Well, that's where the building inspector comes in, spiritually speaking. The building inspector is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one is in this constant, in this building process in our lives. He keeps things in check. He keeps, he keeps things up to code. John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus described him this way. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you uh, every once in a while. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Uh, occasionally. Uh, almost all the time except for he's on vacation. The, his waking hours. No, And he's going to give you another counsel to be with you forever. 24-7, he never sleeps, he never slumbers. He's there with us at very present help in time of need. He is the spirit of truth. He is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Say that with me. The spirit of truth. Write that down. The spirit of truth. He's not the spirit of a lie. He will never tell you a lie. He will always point you to Jesus. He will always point you to the word. He will always point you to the truth. You know, there's a lot of voices out there offering you some attractive promises about your walk with God. In churches, Christian TV shows, Christian books, there's a lot of snake oil sailing going on. And there's a lot of incomplete theology that's being taught. It's a sliver of a truth, but it's not the full counsel. It's incomplete. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in an incomplete house. Do you? I don't want to walk into my house today and my floor is gone. I'm going to fall right down to the, you know, we have a crawl space. I'm going to fall right down to the tender to dirt. I'm glad I have steps that lead up to the second floor and then I'm not shimmying up a rope or something. You know? I'm glad my bathroom works and my kitchen works and all that stuff, right? I'm glad when I turn on the switch, the light works. I don't want to live in an incomplete house, do you? But we do spiritually do that. We accommodate and we just kind of make excuses and we think, well, that's the best that it is. But the theology that is being promulgated by many preachers and teachers of the Word of God is an incomplete sliver of the full counsel. Our flesh, by the way, loves to hear about the blessings and the riches and the life of ease that we can have in Jesus. That's why these are so popular but it's a theology of building your house on sinking sand. Church, listen to me this morning. God does bless, and I'm so thankful. How many is thankful for God's blessings, amen? And, and how many, and God, God does give us times of refreshing in Jesus. How many is thankful for those times of refreshing, amen? Yeah, but if that's all we have is blessings and refreshing, then it's an incomplete understanding of our lives, There's going to be storms, folks. There's going to be tests. There's going to be struggles. Why else would Jesus say, if you listen to my word and do it, and you're building on a rock, so when the storms come? Even Jesus himself said it time and time again. There's going to be storms. Always storms. So you better make sure that you're balanced and having the full counsel. When these storms come, if all we've heard is the fluffy stuff, then our spiritual house is going to come crashing down. I'm so glad that my house is not made out of marshmallows. How about you? Or sugar. You know, these teachers are, uh, these teachers are doing the kingdom of God a great disservice. And they're going to have to answer to God one day for their teachings. That only tickle the ears of the hearers. But Jesus said clearly, not only if you hear the words of mine, but also put them into practice. When the storms come, your spiritual house will not fall, but it will stand firm. And so Jesus' words are not only encouraging to us, but they're also hard. It's the full counsel that he's given us. And so if we choose to embrace it, we will walk on a solid foundation. We will live in a solid theological house. So that's my goal for us going forward. Not just in this series, but every time I get behind this pulpit... That we be wise, not foolish, in our spiritual house construction by embracing the full counsel of God's Word. Amen? Amen. So as we do, we allow the Holy Spirit, our building inspector, the Spirit of truth, to point out those things that we've applied that are faulty and putting us in danger of collapse if we continue in them. That's what we've been doing these last few weeks. We've been opening up our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit daily. Fresh oil poured over us and in us to empower us and to give us discernment and to guide us along our way. I would like for you, if you will, before we, as we, before, as we, before we continue any further, I want us to all bow our heads in prayer. And let's ask right now for the Holy Spirit to fill us today. Would you just bow your heads in prayer and let me pray over you. Father, Jesus, Father God, we thank you that, that, your, that your Holy Spirit is here today. And we ask Holy Spirit right now that you fill us Spirit of truth, that you would open up our eyes spiritually, our ears spiritually to see and to hear. Won't you pour over us, Holy Spirit? Won't you pour in us today, right now, saturate us. Inspect our hearts today as we take this next question to heart. We open up our lives to you, Holy Spirit of truth. Do your work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's our question this morning: If God is our burden bearer, then why do we have burdens? I thought Jesus was supposed to be my burden bearer, and yet here I am. It's funny. One of the first people this morning we were having worship practice. She came and I said, "How you doing?" She says, "I'm stressed." First thing, right out of the chute, I'm stressed we got to talking about the different things that are going on in our life. And so we're able to, you know, speak into our life and kind of encourage one another with that. How many came in here this morning to, honestly, just full disclosure, you came in stressed? A couple of, how many came in with some burdens, concerns in your life? Man, the rest of you guys, I got to find out what you're drinking because this is great. There's only about six of us here today that have any concerns or burdens in our life and stress. The rest of us are either on drugs or I don't know what's going on, but this is awesome. (laughs) So for the six of you here today that need this, the rest of you guys, this is just, you know, just put on some ear pods and listen to some Christian music and I'll be back in about 30 minutes, okay, to dismiss. But the fact is that we carry a ton of burdens around, don't we? Whether we like to admit it or not. I'll be the first in line for this, you guys. There's burdens and stresses in our life, in Kelly and our life, both of us situations that are going on, and it's always going to be that way, by the way. There are seasons of rest, and there's seasons of refreshing, and there's times that God carries us and He strengthens us. All the time, He carries us and strengthens us. But if, I, if we lived on a mountaintop the whole time and everything was going well, then where would we see God showing up to do some things, right? How can He prove Himself to us to be all-powerful and wonderful in our provider? You know, we worry about things going on in the workplace. We worry about things going on in our world. We worry about things going on in our schools. We worry about things going on in our families. Is this hitting home with anybody still yet? Maybe it's adding a few more people to the mix. How about this? We hold unforgiveness from past hurts. That's a burden. How many don't have to raise your hand, but how many is dealing with unforgiveness from past hurts? Someone's hurt you or you're mad at them and you just can't let go. How about maybe you're walking in fear of the future? Every time you hear a news article go on and something's happening in the world or in our nation, it brings fear into your life. You're concerned about how your kids are growing up in this awful world, your grandkids are growing up in this awful world, and it places fear in you for the future. What does the future hold? I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds it. His name is Jesus, and we're well in hand, by the way. Maybe, maybe, maybe your burden is that you live in regret and shame from past failures. Woulda, shoulda, could have in your life. Just regret, shame, and Satan just keeps it on. He just heaps on the fear. He heaps on the shame. He heaps on the regret. He heaps on the worry. He heaps on the unforgiveness. He keeps putting that stuff out there for us. And there's more, but those are just maybe some big boulders, some examples. But the fact is that we carry these burdens around with us all the time. And by the way, we choose to carry these burdens around. You hear me? We choose to carry these burdens around. It's a choice we make. I choose to worry. I choose to hold unforgiveness. I choose to live in regret. I choose to fear. It's a choice that I make every single day. But we don't have to walk in those things because there is another option. The world would offer us drugs and alcohol and material things and wrong relationships and all other sorts of escapes to numb the pain or to distract us from the struggles for just a moment. But once the high wears off, once the newness wears off, the burden is still there as cumbersome and as beastly as ever. Jesus knows this, by the way, because he's actually faced burdens himself. In fact, on this earth, he faced all sorts of burdens and struggles when he lived amongst us. He's fully human and fully God the Bible says so he understands what a heavy burden is and he lived in a time probably the most challenging time one of the most challenging times in all of history was when Jesus was birthed into think about it but he also lived in a time when the main industry that was going on was not they didn't have factories there and the industrial revolution was nowhere in sight only in the last 100 years or 150 years or so have we seen that sort of thing in the world. But in his time, it was mainly agriculture. And so crops and animals were the livelihood of most people in that day. And so he used, always used familiar things to share the truths of God's kingdom to his listeners. So I want you to listen to this with that in mind in the NIV of Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. And he gives an invitation to all of us today. Matthew 11. 28 through 30, a very familiar passage to many of us. Come to me. That's the invitation. Jesus is saying to you today, come to me. Okay, put your name there. Come to me, Paul. Come to me, Kelly. Come to me, Richard. Come to me, Faye. Come to me. Jesus is inviting all of us, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. Uh Uh-oh. So that's the six of us here today. He's inviting you. To come to him if you're wearied and burdened. And here's the promise. I will give you rest. We can just stop right there and say, wow, that's powerful right there. I just stop right there and say, thank you, Lord. If I just come to you in my weariness and in my burdens, you're going to give me rest? Even if it's just for a moment, I'll take it. But then he doesn't finish there. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. Now that's kind of a tough one right there because we think about a yoke and we know well, that feels like a burden. It feel like, oh, I'm, putting I'm giving him something but then I'm getting something. But, so let's, let's unpack this a little bit. But then he qualifies it by saying, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. So the yoke that he puts on you is not going to be burdensome, it's not going to be hard because he's gentle and he's humble in heart. And then he continues by reiterating and you'll find rest for your souls. So that points back to him taking his yoke You're still going to find rest for your soul. So you're wearing a yoke, but you're still finding rest for your souls. So that peace is still there, isn't it? That rest is still there, even though there's a yoke that he's asking you to take upon yourself. His yoke. And then he describes what that yoke is. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's talk about this. So in this invitation is this key to laying our heavy burdens down that we've been carrying for years. To understand the significance of this invitation, we need to first understand the cultural context in which it was said. Now, I don't think, last, not unless you're a farmer, you probably don't even know what a yoke is. You probably never touched one, used one, or anything like that. You might have. But the vast majority of us only understand this concept through maybe a history lesson or a movie we watched or some other way, you know? Up until the last century and a half or so before machinery modernized the planting and harvesting process, farmers depended on animals to help them in the planting and harvesting of their crops. I could just see Jesus maybe as he was saying this phrase and he was, had those people kind of listening to him around, that maybe somewhere in shot of him saying that, that maybe in behind the scenes as he was preaching, there was a farmer back there plowing his field With a couple of oxen. Can you just imagine that? Him saying. Here's one. Here's. You see that? You take my yoke upon you. And he began to flesh it out. Based on. Either what they were seeing at that moment. Or what people totally understood. Because they probably had to get back to their yoke. Back to their oxen. Back to their field. But they took a little break. Because they found out that Jesus was in town. It's very familiar to them. So here's this. This oxen plowing the field when he said these words, most likely. But there's five key elements to this scripture and to this uh, process that Jesus was talking about that I want to point out to you and see, show you how they relate to where we are today. In 2023, we have no oxen, we have no yoke, we have no field, but this is still applicable to, applicable, applicable to us in 2023. First, the yoke of oxen. What is a yoke of oxen? It's not an egg yoke. It's a yoke. Y-O-K-E, not Y-O-L-K. A yoke consists of two oxen. And it's, oxen, by the way, are male cows, which are also called bulls. And these bulls were trained from a very early age for work service. And so bulls that are trained for work service are called oxen. Did you catch that? A little bit of farming. I'm learning this too, right? See, the cow's the female, the bull's the male. But the bulls are stronger, more hefty than a cow. And so the farmer would say, these, these two right here. Th- these, these bull right here. I'm going to start training them as soon as they're born. Just after a few weeks, I'm going to start training them. But I understand they, they, they put yoke on them and they, they, they put bigger yoke as the, as the bull grows. But a bull that is trained for service is not called a bull anymore. It's called an oxen. And many times what the farmer would do would be to take a seasoned oxen and put it together with a more unseasoned rookie oxen. So you got the veteran and the rookie. All right? And what happens is the, the, lesser, oxen, the lesser experienced oxen with the more experienced one, he would pull them to put them together in what they would call a yoke. A yoke is this interesting looking piece of wood that has some swoops to it for them to be able to put over their necks. But ultimately, it ties those two, it's a wooden beam, and it ties those two together, these pair of oxen, to enable them to pull together on a particular load. And as I mentioned, the more experienced oxen would shoulder the load. The more experienced oxen would establish the path, and he would create the rhythm, and it would basically show the lesser experienced oxen the way to do things correctly. So the more experienced oxen taught the the, uh, rookie oxen how to do it. And they would both be harnessed with this, you know, harness this rope, this leather rope to the farmer. And so you got the, you got the oxen, you got the yoke, you got the harness, and then you got the farmer. The farmer would steer the oxen with the harness down the desired paths of his fields to prepare for planting and reaping of a harvest. So what in the world does that, this have to do with us in 2023? everything because we ask the question again if God is our burden bearer then why do we have burdens right let's look at these five elements again in the light of Jesus invitation to us when he says come unto me first the oxen two oxen one of those oxen is us the inexperienced one and the other is Jesus the wise seasoned veteran we're yoked with Jesus he's wise he's experienced He knows the rhythms, He knows the path, He knows the direction, He knows what's going on and He's showing us the ropes. He takes the lead. Jesus has been there, done that. He shoulders the weight, He's our burden bearer. He has the experience and the wisdom that we need to model for us the way to go. Jesus, when we're called Christians that means we're like Christ, right? That means we're like Christ in the things that He says and does and all that. We're a model for Christ. Well, how else are we going to have a model for Christ if we don't allow Him to lead the way? You see, left on our own, church, we're surely going to falter and we're surely going to fail. Not you, but most of us, right? How many's ever faltered and fallen? First in line. And most of the time, I would say that the reason I did that is because I depended on my own strength and my own knowledge and my own stubbornness. And I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. But in the strength of Jesus, we can and go on, and he'll lead us because he's promised to never leave us or forsake us, but to be with us, the Bible says, even to the end of the age. I-, I love this. Let me read you a couple of scriptures out of Psalms. Written by David, I'm sure, as he's going through struggles, Psalm 68, 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Not just on Sundays, not just, you know... Nine to five, Monday through Friday, He daily bears our burdens. He, he's our day. Say, Jesus is my daily burden bearer. Say that. Jesus daily, daily, burden bearer. daily burden bearer. Oh, I gave him that thing 10 years ago. Yeah, how many times have you picked it back up again? Yeah, I've given him this stuff. Yeah, stop picking it up. Every day, give it to him. Because the temptation is, well, He took it yesterday, but I got to pick it up today because I didn't understand the minutia of this. Yes, He does. Yes, He does. He's a seasoned veteran in this thing. He knows, exact, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly where you need to go. He knows, the, he knows the steps you need to take to get there. I'm so thankful that it's not just a one and done thing. But he daily bears our burdens. Amen. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. <laughs> I like that word cast because it, it, I just picture it as this, it's this thing, burden and you throw it at him. And he catches it, right? But what we do is we'll we'll take it and we'll throw it at him, but it's tethered. And we'll reel it back. We're still connected to it. We're not sure we trust him all the way. And it just depends on what kind of mood he's in. And it depends on where I I am and all that. No, I'm going to cast it to him with no strings attached. I'm giving him my burdens. I'm casting it to the Lord. And then it says, when you do, he's going to sustain you. Sustain. You're not going to go under, folks. You're not going to drown. The thing is not going to collapse around you. He's going to sustain you. Your yokes of unforgiveness, your worry, your fear, your shame, your your regret, many other cares, they would overwhelm you if not for Jesus bearing them for us. That's why Jesus gives us the invitation, come to me. It's our choice. Either shoulder the burden alone or in ways the world offers. Or come to Jesus in your weariness and with your burdens and find rest in him. Isaiah 53.6 is referring to this when it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's our burden bearer. Sheep need a shepherd. Without... One, they're vulnerable to all sorts of attacks and danger as they wander aimlessly and unprotected. We are sheep. And just as it's necessary for the sheep to have a shepherd, so it's necessary for us to be yoked to Jesus. Because on our own, we will stray and we will be in danger to the enemy. Let's look at the yoke Now, the yoke is what knits us together with Jesus. It's a commitment to trust him no matter what. It's to say, Jesus, you're my savior, you're my Lord. I will trust in you. I place my faith in you. I trust you with my steps. I trust you with the decisions that I need to make. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my possessions, my relationships, my past, my present, my future. I give it all to you. This life is not my own. I take up my cross. I follow you. My life is no longer mine, but it's yours through me. The yoke is it's a connection with him. But, you know, we struggle with trust, don't we? We want to go our own way. We say stuff like, no, Jesus, I want to go this way, and I want to do this thing, all the while Jesus is gently and confidently guiding us in his perfect will because he's the veteran. He's establishing the rhythm and the direction, and we trust him and stop pulling away. The yoke is placing our faith in Jesus. The yoke is relationship with Jesus built upon our faith and trust in him. Do you know that Jesus has your best interest at heart? Did you know that? Do you believe that? Jesus has your best interest at heart. And he's leading you and me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, the Bible says. He's familiar with the terrain that you're in. He's aware of the obstacles that are facing you. And he understands what's ahead. That's why he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. As we trust him with the pace of our journey, and he models for us how to live, the yoke knits us together with him, and he takes the lead, and then we simply follow in cadence step. Little progress is made when two oxen fight for the lead position. Imagine the farmer wrestling with that, and the, the, the burrow that they're, that they're digging into the ground to plant the seeds is looking like a snake rather than a, an arrow. There's got to be a yielding church. Folks, if you're struggling with trusting in the Lord, let me encourage you to yield to him. There's got to be just one leader. There's got to be just one that submits to the other. And we are the ones to submit. But when the other does submit to the lead, much quality productivity results. Uh, I imagine what that looks like again in our lives if we were to simply just yield to the Lord and say, All right, I'm going to let you lead. How much productivity can you have for the kingdom if you stop fighting him and simply trust him? Let's look at the harness. You know, the harness is somewhat overlooked part of this dynamic. It's not mentioned in Jesus' invitation, but it's certainly there and it's implied, keeping in mind again his audience and the culture and the very real possibility that when Jesus said this, that they were all most likely looking at a farmer guiding his oxen through the field. I believe the harness is the Holy Spirit. I was doing a bit of research this week about how farmers train oxen. And part of it was how they train them to understand and obey certain commands. They holler out words. They'll say, step up. And that means go forward. If they say, gee, that means turn right. If they say, ha, it means turn left. I like that. Gee, ha. (laughs) If they say, whoa, it means to stop. And if they say, back, that means to back up. Those oxen understand those five commands. And the purpose of the harness is to guide with words and gentle nudging the oxen to the left or to the right to stop or go or even to back up. And that is so much what the Holy Spirit does, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit receives instructions from God the Father, the farmer, and conveys them to us with prompts and gentle nudging. Go left, go right, stop, go, back up. So thankful for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Folks, it takes so much pressure off if you just trust the Lord. You don't have to figure this out on your own. Just trust Him. He's got the path. The Holy Spirit is there to speak to us. The harness is leading, really manifests itself in many ways through prayer, in worship, through the Word, sermons like today. Some of us have dreams and visions in conversations that we have with others. I mean, these are so, and there's so many more ways the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us in our, in our paths. There's a reliance to the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, church. There's a reliance to the Holy Spirit that I think many in the church have as undeveloped. It's really underdeveloped. We rely too much on our feelings. We rely too much on our thoughts. We rely too much on our circumstances. And not nearly enough in the reins, the gentle promptings, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is never harsh. The Holy Spirit is never haughty. But as Jesus said in his invitation to us, he is gentle and he is humble. And the Holy Spirit will never drive us like cattle, by the way. But he will guide us like a loving shepherd does his flock. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always realign us back to the, to the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will always communicate to us the will of God, which leads us to the farmer. As I said a moment ago, the farmer is God. So think about this. God, The farmer sees the entire field. The farmer has the master plan. And God is the same way. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows precisely the condition of the soil of man's heart. He knows what to plant. He knows when to plant it. He knows when to harvest. He keeps an eye on the sky for impending storms. He's keenly aware of the predatory roaring lion Satan who desires to devour us. And he'll never overwork us, he'll never overwhelm us, and he'll never be cruel to us. He'll feed us well, he'll give us shelter, and he'll take care of us. In this thing that I was researching out about the farmers of their young auction and training, they said it this way, training starts when they're only a few weeks old, as they learn to be comfortable around people. The first step in an ox training doesn't involve any work at all, but there's still a lot of... Uh, There's a lot for the young calves to learn. They're taught to wear a halter and how to walk calmly on a lead rope. I like this part. They learn that humans bring yummy food and soothing brushes and petting. And soon they look forward to seeing their masters because of the good things those people bring and do for them. (laughs) I love this. I love how God brings so much of the natural into the spiritual together and you just go, oh, this is... That sounds so much of how God approaches us, doesn't it? I mean, he, he gets you saved and He gets you cleaned up and He gets you in the right direction, but He's not going to necessarily hit you. You're he, not going to be like the evangelist preaching like a Billy Graham or, you know, going around the world doing stuff. You're not going to be out there doing a lot of, you know, big time stuff right now. He's going to ease into it a little bit. He's going to grow you in Him and understanding who He is. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our, the frailties of our humanity and He makes those allowances as we grow in relationship with Him. And all the while, as we partner with Jesus, we enjoy some blessings along the way. How many thankful for God's yummy food? <laughs> how many thankful for his soothing brushes? How many thankful for that petting that he gives us? Oh man, we just sit in his lap and he says, hey, let me just treat you. Let me just love on you. Let me just show you how much I care. There's still work to do, but there's also those times of refreshing. That's why Jesus said in his invitation, you will find rest for your souls. The yummy food, the brushes, the petting, that's the rest for our souls. Times of refreshing in his presence. You know, God always, and I mean always, has our best interest at heart in our lives. He's never going to bait and switch you. He's never going to promise you something and then change it around later because it's going to benefit him, but it's going to really mess you up. That's not God's nature at all. That may be some people that you know's nature, people that you've worked with and have done deals with in the past. They kind of stab you in the back. God will never stab you in the back. God is not a mean taskmaster, but he is a loving heavenly father who enjoys us. And he takes great delight in us as we grow in loving relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But why all of this? So why did Jesus come to the earth in the first place? Here's why. Because we needed to be rescued. The world is in need of rescue today, folks. Amen? Sin has gotten humanity so bound up in its heavy chains that we, by our religious rules, could never break out. Sin that entered into mankind through the disobedience of Adam and Eve severed our relationship with God the Father. And so God sent Jesus, His Son, to come to earth to die for our sins so that we could be restored back to right relationship to God the Father. That's the primary reason that God came. It's through Jesus Christ that we might be restored back to right relationship with Him that was broken in the garden. And while we rejoice, folks, today, many of us, that our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life as we've asked Jesus into our heart and asked Him to forgive us of our sins, to be the Lord of our lives, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you made that choice to, to, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins and allow Him to be your Savior and Lord today. Thank God for that. But, folks, there's a field out there that's white and ripe unto harvest. Jesus described it. There's a generation today that is having having this woke and inclusive agenda being crammed down their throats. Our children, our youth, and grown-ups alike. This evil agenda is trying to redefine our culture in a way that's completely opposite of what God's word and God's will is for his creation. It's from the pit of hell. Folks, the fields are truly white under harvest, and God is sending us out as workers, and that's what the field is all about. The field is our work. The field is our responsibility. The field is our kingdom calling. The field is our life. Before us. So then we ask this question again if God is our burden bearer, then why do we have burdens? Let me just be really clear as I wrap this up today. We have a choice to either have burdens with an S or to have a burden. We're not going to be excluded from having a burden at the very minimum. But our burdens with an S are the cares of this world. Our past shames, regrets, fears, worries, unforgiveness towards others, and so on. Those things. Our burdens are the things that we choose to carry on our own. And the reason we have burdens is because we've chosen not to give them to Jesus. It's pretty plain. Pretty simple. So again, it's not God's fault we have burdens. It's our fault. He is our burden bearer if we only choose to give them to him. But the reason we don't or the reason we won't is because we think it's easier for some reason to hold on to unforgiveness and regret and shame and fear and worry. In fact, that's Satan's hope. Satan hopes, by the way, that you just hold on to these things, that you build around you this wall and you don't let anyone in and you try and manage as best as you can in your day-to-day life. Folks, that sort of approach to living life is destructive, it's unproductive, and it's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. But if you'll cast your burdens to the Lord... And you cast your cares onto Jesus and be yoked with him and you trust him and you be led by the Holy Spirit. And you know that God sees the big picture and has a beautiful plan and a destiny for your life. You can be part of this grand plan of salvation that God has for all mankind. Jesus said it in his invitation, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That implies there's a burden there. That implies that we're, that we're wearing a yoke, but what is that? If we, if we do this, there's still this the nagging part of this invitation because there's still this yoke and this burden. But it's, it's an easy yoke, folks. It's, it's a light burden. Probably another way to say it, that it's an enjoyable yoke. And it's a fulfilling burden. If there is such a thing, and there is. It doesn't seem possible that a yoke can be enjoyable and a burden can actually be fulfilling. Serving Jesus isn't a life of ease. It's a life of work. But it's not a burdensome work. It's a work of joy. It's not labor without reward. Because that easy yoke and that light burden that Jesus was talking about is all about souls for God's kingdom. Say that with me. Souls. Say it again. Souls. That's what the field is all about. It's souls for the kingdom. Think about this. The oxen had in front of them as their constant focus, what? The field. They, that's all they saw. The field before them. And they trusted the Holy Spirit and they knew that God was leading and they were yoked together with Jesus. The field. Look to the field. Our field is souls. Our field is telling others about Jesus. That's the enjoyable, fulfilling burden that Jesus was talking about. He's asking us to partner with him to be led by the Spirit, and to tell others about the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. God knows where to guide us. He sees who's ready. There's a lot of wheat that is ripe and ready for harvest just beyond these four walls. So it's our choice today. Which will it be? Burdens, the cares of this world. Or burden, the good news of God's kingdom. I love how this the message version lays out this passage in Matthew chapter 11. And uh, I want to close with this. Chris, could you come up? Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 in the message. So, is a very much more conversational version of this. And it says this. And so it, would you stand with me this morning, by the way? I, I want you to just kind of be in place here. I want you to listen to this. In fact, uh, without looking around, just stand with me and then close your eyes, bow your heads, and let this, let these words wash over you this morning. Here they come. It says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. When's the last time you had a real rest? Walk with me. And work with me and watch how I do it Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Sounds wonderful. It sounds like heaven, but Jesus is saying we can have this here on the earth with him. I like that phrase unforced rhythms of grace. And there's some unforced rhythms of grace that the Lord has for you today to enjoy and to walk in. And it's all in a relationship with Jesus. Now as your eyes are closed and head bowed, I'm going to speak to a couple of different people here today. You, you may know Him today as your Lord and Savior. But maybe you've allowed walls to be built up in your life from past hurts and struggles and just the burdens that you've brought into this place. They've turned into walls. And you just protecting yourself. You don't want to be hurt again. And so you just kind of create this wall around you. Is that you today? I don't know. The Lord does. You do. Or maybe, you, maybe you're wanting to go your own way and struggle often with yielding to him and you're pulling him. You're pulling him left, right, stop, go. And he's saying, would you just listen to my instructions and let me lead the way? You're having a hard time trusting him. Today I believe the Lord will be pleased to have you come lay your burdens at his feet. And and, and, and by the way, while you're here laying the burdens at his feet, that you would pick up the easy burden of your privilege and responsibility to be Jesus to someone this week, this month, this year, in your life. So I, I open up the invitation to those that are here today that have Jesus in their hearts, but you're still carrying around burdens with an S and whatever that looks like that's between you and the Lord he knows you know and he's inviting you to cast them at his feet and I believe it would would be a wonderful outward expression if you were to step out of your seat and come to this altar and say Lord uh, this altar represents you I'm meeting you here and I'm laying these burdens at your feet I'm casting them to you I invite you to come down and while while you would come down, maybe today also, maybe you don't know him at all, and you're simply tired of carrying this heavy burden around, these burdens that are overwhelming you, but today is your day as well. I invite you to come to Jesus, to lay down your heavy unproductive burdens that are wrapping you up like strong chains and take up that one burden that is enjoyable and fulfilling and brings life. Lord, today as, folks are, as the Holy Spirit, as you're dealing with them, and maybe some are coming down, Lord, right now I stand before you and I cast my cares and my burdens to you. The struggles and the situations that would try to overtake me, <clears throat> I thank you, God, that you're my burden bearer. Father, remind me again and remind us again that we're not required or called to carry these big old heavy burdens that are heaped upon us by our choice or by the things that happen to us. Instead, Lord God, we've been invited to give them to you. So as we come to you and we bow before you, we delineate those things that are in our hearts. Lord, you know what they are. Help us, Father, to be authentic and real before you. We can't lie to you. You know what's going on anyway. So, Lord, here we are. We lay these burdens at your feet. Struggles, worry, fear, unforgiveness, shame, sorrow, regret, all the things and then some that are there in our lives. It's a burden to us and it's overwhelming us. We're getting smothered in it and we've had enough. Today, we give those to you. Now, Father, if we don't know you as our Lord and Savior, we pray that as we come and ladies at things at your feet that we would also ask you into our hearts and invite you to be our lord and savior that we would say jesus forgive me of my sins come live in my heart be the lord of my life i give you my burdens i give you my past i give you all the stuff that i've done thank you jesus that you remove my sin as far as the east is from the west you don't remember it anymore i'm a new creation in you from this moment on Behold, all things have been passed. Behold, all things have become new right now. And that the future that you have for me is a future that is awesome. It's extraordinary. It's, it's, it's exceptional in you. With the struggles, yeah, with with the, the, the issues that would come up in my life, but Lord, is always opportunity for me to turn to you and say, here you go, I give this to you. I give this to you. I'm not gonna walk in this anymore that has had me bound. I'm not going to walk in this anymore that has defined my life up to this point. I'm walking in you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to be yoked with you today from here on out. I'm going to allow the reins of the Holy Spirit to steer me. I'm going to let God the Father who knows the big, sees the big picture and knows the plans for my life, I'm going to trust Him with my life. I'm not going to strive anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that you're partnering with us. We're yoked with you today. And Lord, beyond that, there's a field out here in our daily lives that people need to know about you. Help us to keep the field always before us, trusting you to guide us and lead us every step of the way. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, fill us today. Empower us today. Help us to go from this place and to make a difference for you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we take up the the light yoke, the easy yoke, the light burden. We take, all of us, take this up right now. I pray, God, that you give us the courage and the obedience and the trust to take on this yoke right now of telling others about you, the field, the harvest field. Keep it before us. Holy Spirit, we take that yoke, that privileged yoke, that responsibility that is ours, that calling. Lord, the church is the vehicle. To proclaim your gospel. We are individuals in that church. Speak through us. Use us. Minister through us the good news of Jesus Christ. We take that yoke upon us. The easy yoke. The enjoyable yoke. The fulfilling burden. To tell someone about you. Holy Spirit speak through us. Words that we don't know. Minister through us. And use us as we yield to you. To tell someone that you love. That Jesus loves them this week. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I know in the spiritual right now, there's there's some big old bunch of pile of burdens that are sitting right here. And I just can just see you right now just taking those things on you and just heaping them behind you and saying, now, I got this. Folks, are here at the altar. Uh, this is what the Lord is saying to you right now. Jesus is saying, I got this. You hear me? I got this. Jesus is telling you right now, I got this this that's bad english but that's what he's saying i have it now don't walk away with it don't you pick it back up not today not tomorrow not the next day but daily he bears your burden so daily give it to him yeah daily give it to him and then you pick up that easy yoke right that easy burden you focus on the kingdom what does the bible say seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then all these other things are going to be added unto you. That's not just blessings and fun stuff. It's also, he's adding onto you a lightness in your heart. He's adding onto you an ease in your life that you don't have to carry these burdens around with you. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, tor- in the, midst of the hurricane, he's the eye of the storm. He's there with you. Oh, thank God for his faithfulness. Amen, church? Amen, church? Aren't you thankful that he's faithful? Aren't you thankful that he's our burden bearer? Can you give him praise this morning? Can you thank him this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to leave here with a spring in our steps spiritually, a lightness in our hearts spiritually, an assurance, Holy Spirit, that you've got the burdens that we've laid at your feet and that you would guide us again, Lord. We want to be Jesus. We want to be yoked with you. May we all walk out of here visualizing that we got a yoke on us and you're right there with us but you're leading the way you're establishing the cadence and that the Holy Spirit is the reins in us that's this guiding us a little bit the yees and the haws and all the different stuff and God we know that you're giving that instruction all the way through because all of us together are making that difference for your kingdom because you see the big picture in mind Oh, help us to see the harvest field this week more than we've ever seen it before We thank you for these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.